Hello, and welcome back to the Glossy Week in Review podcast. I am your host, senior fashion reporter Danny Parisi, and I am here once again with our editor-in-chief, Jill Manoff. Jill, you're just back from Paris. How was it? (laughs) I sound like such a world traveler. It was amazing. Yeah, it was so good. My first Paris Fashion Week. Can't wait to talk about it. I remember last year you telling me that next year you were going to try and convince the the higher ups to send you to Paris and it worked your your year long scheme to get sent to Paris for Paris Fashion Week worked and now we're going to talk about it so this is actually this episode is going to be our last of our uh, four part fashion month coverage you and I did New York Fashion Week a couple of weeks ago um, Sophia and I talked about London Fashion Week and then Milan Fashion Week and now we're finishing it off with Paris Fashion Week so this whole episode is going to be about Paris Fashion Week which seemed like there was so much stuff going on. There was the Bella Hadid spray paint dress. There was the Kanye West thing. There was like a million things going on. Uh, I'm going to, I was not there, but I followed along pretty closely and and you were there. So I'm going to be picking your brain about this. But Joe, let's start with just general, like what was the vibe like? Because New York, I thought, you know, felt kind of like fun and it was a little bit, the weather was nice. Uh, Zofia said that in London, it was a little more somber because the queen had just died and stuff. Wondering what, what was like the kind of just the energy in the air while you were there? I mean, it was definitely like fashion week back with a vengeance. It was very lively and active and out and about and the street style was alive and well. And it was just like, I mean, overall, like very I don't know, grand and lively, I would just say, but honestly, also a spectacle. Like you said, like you're at a show. I went to kind of, (laughs) maybe not the biggest of the big shows. Um, I went to a lot of emerging designers, which were so, so cool. And um, their creativity really was shining through. But um, meanwhile, I'd come out of a show that I was like, oh, that was so creative. Wow, they have a lot of talent. Wow, I have, <laughs> I can't wait to see what they do in the industry. And anyway, there was always a lot of noise happening. Like it, you look at Twitter, or you look at Instagram and you're like, wait, what happened? Like it was quite a, I don't know, a spectacle. It just seemed like a lot of um, like boom moments with stars and like a lot of celebrity involvement. I had a fashion week briefing about that and kind of pop culture's influence on the event as a whole. Um, but in addition, just, I don't, I don't know if almost, almost gimmicky, just, but also um, not necessarily in a bad way, gimmicky, just like things like ne- fashion that's not, like you said, Bella Hadid, th- that dress won't be for sale, but it was like an art installation moment. And that was like, went viral and swept the internet and it swept the nation. So anyway, I know we're going to talk about that, but it just seemed like a whole lot of stuff, almost like, (laughs) yeah, it was, I think there literally was, I think there was literally more stuff happening. I think the calendar had, had more shows on it than any of the other weeks. I think I saw like 60 something shows all packed into like, you know, four or five days or something. Um, and then not to mention all of the like showcases and parties and after parties and, you know, events and stuff. There there was a lot going on. Like it it felt like a lot, but it also literally just was quantitatively more. Um, 
But uh, but yeah, actually, you know, you mentioned that there was a lot of kind of interesting designers. One thing that I noted, again, following from afar was in Milan that felt like there was a lot more uh, kind of like the traditional older Italian houses. And, you know, there there were newer designers there too, but it, it felt like that was maybe a little more traditional. Sophia mentioned that London also had a pretty good amount of like young, new, up-and-coming designers too. Um did any of the ones that you saw stand out to you in particular as a, a brand maybe that you hadn't heard of or didn't know too much about that had a great show? There was a great designer, and I don't know if it's new, but it was new to me, um, a show called, by Inc., E-E-N-K, um, Carla Bruni, um, mm-hmm. saying was the backdrop, um, and it was beautiful. The clothes were wearable. They had a little bit of a Western flair, and... Anyway, I think that the, the music and the backdrop drop really like set the scene for the whole thing that just made it feel really magical. Um, but then there was also, I mean, I was getting, I was Instagramming it all and I was getting messages like, who's wearing this stuff? <laughs> but like the first yeah. show I went to when I arrived on Monday was um, the show Jay Simone um, by, I think, I think Jude Ferrari. I know her last name's Ferrari. Is the designer a Central Saint Martin's graduate? Um, and it was very pop culture influenced. It was all logos with kind of, um, I guess she hijacked logos, changed them to Jay Simone, but it was the Starbucks logo, maybe like the Shell Station logo, like all of these kind of all American, which she's not American, um, iconic logos all over everything. Um, We've seen designers do that in the past, but it felt playful. It felt fun. She had a disco um, musician that's a singer, like walk the show. Um, It was just like you smiled the whole time. And um, again, not necessarily wearable, but I talked to a communications, a head of communications. It was actually um, at the Hellacy, Hellacy show. And um, I was like, it's so wild. These young designers, they're just kind of like throwing caution to the wind, doing what they want. I haven't seen so much like color and boldness and not really, I don't know, paying a lot of to do or attention to what's commercial (laughs) and sellable. And I don't know if that's good or bad. And she's, she said something to the effect of um, they, they're they doing something now to make a statement and to get their name out there. Like they don't really care. And as they start to learn who their customer is and start learning what um, is resonating with the audience as a whole, um, we saw this, they saw this with their designer, um, not so extreme, but they start to kind of like hone into one area based on like maybe where there's white space, where, where they're picking up um, sales. So um, I mean... That, that's a good point, and I de- definitely that seemed apparent to me this this season. Yeah, and you mentioned this, and I also do the same thing. Like anytime I post Fashion Week stuff on Instagram, I get messages from people, especially like my friends or family who are maybe not as into fashion, being like, "Does anyone actually wear that stuff? Like, it's something that's like very outlandish, or maybe doesn't look like something even like a really." Uh, avant-garde person would actually wear like on the street. Um, But that's like part of the fun of the shows to me. And like you said, a lot of them are not necessarily about you need to buy this outfit and wear it exactly like this because, you know, sometimes it's really just one piece that's actually for sale and the rest is just like a way to to showcase that. Um, But that leads us, I think we got to talk about the the Bella Hadid like spray paint dress because that felt like it got um, so much attention in fashion, but also I saw a lot of people who are not really even like up and up on fashion talking about it. It definitely was like a wow kind of moment. Um, And it definitely like 
like you said, it's not something that you're going to wear. That's not for sale. Um, and and even the technology to sort of like spray uh, something that turns into, you know, a solid piece, whether it's clothing or something else, that's been around for a while. Um, the thing that was shocking about this to me was that it actually looked good at the end. Like it actually looked yeah. like a real dress, uh, which was, you know, very uh, surprising to me. But yeah, it, it also just like really went viral outside of the fashion world in a way that I feel like uh, doesn't always happen. Like sometimes it something feels like a huge deal, but it's really kind of like just within the, the fashion world. Um, what, what were your thoughts on that? And we, by the way, we should mention the brand was Caperni. So it wasn't just Bella Hadid out there, but um, what, what were your thoughts on, on that dress in that moment? Yeah, it was awesome. I thought it was cool. It showed um, obviously like maybe that dress or nothing like this is available now, but it shows kind of the possibilities of fashion, fashion and technology, fashion and innovation. Um, the collaboration or the people who pulled it off, um, the creator of that, Manel, Manel Torres. Um, anyway, they're with a brand called, or a company called Fabrican. Um, yeah, and Fabrican. along with two scientists, they kind of did it. They captivated the audience. It wasn't like a quick and easy thing. Apparently it lasted 10 minutes um, of spraying on this dress. And then the creative director or the head of design came out and really like manipulated it, rolled the shoulders down, cut that slit up the thigh. Um, anyway, it was amazing. There was a lot of comparison um, on social media to this um, Alexander McQueen moment where there was kind of um, splatter paint or spray paint um, onto a white dress on the runway. It was the model Shal Shalom Harlow, and it was in uh, for the Spring 99 show. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, the the brand Caperni came out and said, you know, like it wasn't really about that. We weren't really taking reference from that or like um, honoring McQueen really in any way. This was just something that we thought was very cool and wanted to put out there. Um, so anyway, it was great. You got to, I mean, the, I guess, a perfect body out there. <laughs> you want to say put anything on her and she'll look good, but it, it really did look good. So anyway. Yeah. And um, I, you're just reminding me as you're saying this, uh, uh, I, I was just looking it up and I can't find it, but remember years ago seeing a, a runway like show where there were these dresses that the model would kind of like walk halfway down and then like, you know, pull some pin or something and the whole dress would like transform or something, you know, yeah. some pieces that were pinned up would all fall and it would be like a totally different looking dress. Do you remember that? I, I can't, I can't find it, but um, that is a similar thing to me. I remember that being all over the place outside of fashion too, because it was just such a theatrical, dramatic kind of moment. And and the Bella Hadid thing, like you said, it took 10 minutes and took a lot of fiddling and stuff, but it was kind of fascinating to watch the whole thing. It was presented very dramatically, like the you know, when she walked out very slowly and, you know, they had this team of like artisans almost like all working and you could see this beautiful dress created in real time. Like even though it was a little long, it was very watchable. You know, it didn't feel boring. It felt really cool. Um, and I, I, I saw that the, the brand Caperni gained like 200,000 Instagram followers like in a day, basically. So again, even though they're not going to sell this dress, like it obviously was a big, you know, a big deal for them. Although now that I'm saying it, I don't really remember what any of their other clothes looked like. So <laughs> yeah, maybe. maybe that's just me. <laughs> Same. There was a lot of, we're going to get to the Kanye stuff, but there was a lot of talk about, 
Oh, yeah, there were clothes, too. And then, like, they touched on what happened, at, what Kanye season nine or Yeezy season nine looked like in, like, the smallest paragraph compared to, you know, the spectacle of it all. So, I mean, for better or worse, you're right. It was, I didn't realize that how many followers that launch metrics really jumped on this as this viral moment and what the media impact value was of this Caperni show. Um I don't recall what they said, but it was, it again, it was very large. And I mean, 10 minutes in fashion week time, I, us fashion folks are very patient. <laughs> I would yeah. say we're waiting 30 plus minutes for a show to start. We watch the same type of a, of a show of people walking up and down a runway for 20 minutes. <laughs> I think probably something new that's lasting 10 minutes. Yeah. Um, we'll watch and we will <laughs> watch with wonder. Anyway, it, it was. Yeah. Great. Very, yeah. Very watchable. And I, I think there's an interesting point to be made. Like you said, um, there was a lot that happened at Paris fashion week. It was very like, there was a lot of viral newsworthy moments, but I definitely think there's a danger of like, that outshining the the clothes and and like people remember only like the dramatic like moments and not really remember uh you know or to retain any information about like what the, it's ostensibly supposed to be about which is about the fashion um okay we absolutely have to talk about the the Yeezy show um i'm writing about it uh actually right now as we record this on wednesday and so i'm a little bit like i was telling children before the recording i was feeling like psychic damage from having to write about this because it's so crazy but um yeah it's it's i'll do a quick summary which is basically uh kanye west has had a very dramatic couple of weeks he like very publicly ended his relationship with gap only like a year into what was supposed to be a 10-year deal. Um, he has not ended his relationship with Adidas, but has certainly made his desire to do that known. He is like very publicly criticized the company and their outgoing CEO, Casper Rorsted. Um, he's like continued to say all sorts of inflammatory things about different people in the industry. Um, like I said, the CEO of Adidas, but also the CEO of LVMH, who he sort of accused of killing Virgil Abloh, like also this week. And then at the show in Paris, which I think was a surprise show, he had like, he and several models wearing White Lives Matter shirts, which is not a good look for many reasons. And then there was a Vogue editor who criticized him and then he like went off on her and then Condé Nast stepped in to defend her and like, all these celebrities who had been sort of associated with him in the past, like, uh, was it Gigi? No, Bella Hadid, I think. And uh, one of the Hadid sisters and like Jaden Smith and um, the creative director of Supreme, Tremaine Emery, all sort of like publicly were like, you are an asshole, basically. It really was just a wild uh, couple of days for, for him and for the brand. And like I said, or, or like you said, like, that has been the dominant thing that people, I didn't even, I've not even seen a picture of what the clothes look like from the show. It's a complete afterthought at this point because there was just so much other dramatic stuff going on that far overshadowed the actual clothes. I, the only thing I remember is the White Lives Matter shirt. I don't even remember what anything else looked like. Yeah. Anyway. I mean. Go ahead, Joe. That was a bold thing. I know. And I was even thinking about all that went down and I was like, he opened the Balenciaga show. I forgot about that. Like, it just is like everything has been washed away with this one easy show moment because it was such a, I don't know, almost like 
sucking our brains <laughs> into this. I don't know. There's a lot to think about, I would say. Um, and you you mentioned Adidas. My gosh, I would say brands have dropped celebrities, influencers for a lot less. What is, I, I'm, it's really surprising that that is still going on. Yeah. Yeah, it really is, especially because he's just explicitly said that he like doesn't want to work with them anymore and wants to do his own independent brand. I think the thing that is notable to me is like because ye- various easy things make a lot of money and because he's still sort of an influential person, I think there's been a lot of criticism from people who are like maybe outside of his like circle. Uh, you know, there's lots of criticism of him in various like publications like Teen Vogue and stuff or or from people in fashion who maybe are not don't have any sort of like relationship or potential relationship with him but for people who do work with him for example Gap like never said anything publicly about any of his like comments before um and neither had Adidas and various collaborators had mostly kept very quiet about you know the different controversial things he said and did. And the Paris show, I think, was sort of a turning point because, like I said, the creative director of Supreme is, like, openly, like, criticizing him. One thing that um, Tremaine Emery said was that uh, Kanye had apparent, allegedly, um, before Virgil Abloh's death, had, like, said to a bunch of his employees at Yeezy that Virgil was, like, a disgrace to the black community and stuff. And Tremaine Emery, like, put that out there and everything. There was just a lot of criticism. Um, Again, one of the Hadid sisters, like, called Kanye, like, a bully and a joke. It was just all these people who I think before maybe wouldn't have said something just out of, like, you know, courtesy or something are now kind of being much more public about not wanting to associate with him. So... I, I don't know if it's fully like a turning point, but if he wants to go independent and he's like alienating all his like fans and potential collaborators, that seems like not a smart move in my opinion. No, not a smart move. And like you said, um, Virgil, like you using Virgil in his argument, like that's them's fighting words. Like, I just feel like you don't do that. Like somebody who's not around to right the wrong or whatever you're saying. Like anyway, and also mm-hmm. even like you said, former collaborators and partners. Like I felt like Vogue was very much in bed with Kanye. They had to stick up for their editor after he um, attacked mm-hmm. her. So th- that line's crossed. He doesn't have them. Like Vogue is powerful in the fashion community um, still, even though, <laughs> I don't know, th- different reasons. A lot of, there's a lot of talk within our group about how, you know, Vogue may be too little too late. There was a lot of um, rumblings after the Kanye show about, um, how fashion continues to like put this guy on a pedestal season after season and and listen to what he has to say and who cares. <laughs> um, and then they finally came. But I, I don't know if it was more so about their employee or more so about that that backlash or or that yeah. gossip or tone. And and we should mention the specifically the Vogue editors Gabriella Carafa Johnson um, and Kanye like what part of his criticism of her was that or not criticism part of his reaction was saying that she was not a fashion person and she has been in fashion for like ten years she's an extremely knowledgeable person so the, it was not only were they like kind of nasty comments they were like completely baseless too like just sort of trying to undermine her her credibility. So I, I'm, was honestly pleasantly surprised that Condé Nast like said anything. Cause I definitely could see them just, like you said, not wanting to maybe cause a stir or anything, but it's good that they did. I mean, as, 
as journalists ourselves, it's always good when you get stuck up for, you know? Yeah, for sure. And P.S., the clothes looked like all other easy clothes to me. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, where's the newness? Yeah, yeah, very true. Um, Okay, two other things I want to talk about. We can move on from Kanye for now. Um, One, did you see any sort of like much like sustainability kind of talk or bio materials or anything like that? Zofia and I talked about how London kind of had a lack of that sort of stuff. And surprisingly, I saw more in Milan, um, which typically, I mean, my just my gut feeling is normally that would maybe be reverse um, just because Milan maybe is a little more traditional. But um, yeah, was there much in Paris? I feel like I didn't really see too many like big sustainability kind of climate or environmental things going on there. Yeah, you're, I mean, more so with some of the younger designers, um, I heard about sustainable materials, blah, blah, blah. But honestly, the big guys, I saw a lot of stories um, talking about this as well. And basically, it seemed like, first of all, designers were, were at a loss. I In my story, my briefing, I talked about how it was a move from like athleisure to uh, and activewear to more like this knitwear category that's, you know, it's also everybody did a knitwear category. A lot of designers talk to me about um, they, they're doing it more so than ever or it's their first season doing knitwear. And that that kind of answers the ability to be creative if, if, if you do a really constructive, um, very... If you manipulate it, it can be 3D, it can be um, kind of really interesting knitwear, but also have that comfort element. Um, But at the same time, a lot of people, that's kind of how they they jumped into the next fashion era, I guess, beyond athleisure. But um, there was the conversation about designers were confused. You're not... You're not back to normal. You're not doing the workwear and the structured clothing. People aren't yet ready for that. You, you're not, no longer doing the comfort wear. And everybody kind of just did whatever. And there was a lot of just going, doing whatever is going back to what people know. It felt like Fashion Week pre <laughs> all of these important causes and movements. Like there wasn't a lot of focus mm-hmm. on model diversity even. There wasn't a lot of yes, focus that was on... going to be the second thing I wanted to ask about, but yeah. Yeah, no, on sustainability, um, worldly issues. Like nobody really made a stand that I saw um, in terms of other things that are happening in the world beyond beyond fashion, which there's a lot going mm-hmm. on in the world right now. Um, yeah. That, that just is not hunky-dory. So I would say... Um, no, <laughs> not a lot of sustainability <laughs> talk or um, or to make a long story short. No, <laughs> no, no. For better or worse. Yeah. Well, and I was you mentioned model diversity. I was going to bring up the same thing because this is one that I felt like across all of Fashion Month, there was very little um, focus on or attention to. Um, maybe the, the baseline is slightly better in general than, you know, 10 years ago or something. But I sometimes I feel like brands sort of get criticized when they kind of like toot their own horn a little bit of like, look how diverse we are. But I think that can be good. Like, I mean, even if it's maybe self-serving, at least they're doing it. And and there wasn't even that I saw. Like, I don't think anyone was touting themselves too much about how diverse their runway was, but that's just because not a lot of the runways were we're very diverse. So that's that's one thing where, like you said, it, it feels like it's a, a pre-pandemic fashion week a little bit and that it was this big, fun spectacle, but it also feels a little bit 
like an older fashion week for those reasons too, which it feels like it's missing some of those things that would make it feel more modern and more in touch with, um, you know, what's going on and what people want. Yeah. The new guard gives me some hope. It's funny. I went to this again. I went to like everything and anything, my first Paris fashion week. And I, some shows that where I'm like, I don't know this designer. There was one called prototypes and it was, it took place in an apartment. Actually, people like stood, we like lined the halls or in the walls of this apartment. It was wild, but like the models were like anybody and everybody, all shapes, all sizes, all ages, all, they looked like the girls next to me. They were clearly fashion editors or fashion reporters. The one girl's like, I got to get back and write a story because it was like taking a very long time. (laughs) And the words came out of her mouth, which I wrote in my briefing. She was like, are you kidding me? You can't even tell who's a model and who's not. And like, she thought that was a bad (laughs) thing, but like, honestly, like that, there was a lot of diversity there. And um, I was recently talking to the new dean at at Parsons and talking about the new curriculum and the new, um, yeah, a prioritization of of designing for all bodies and sus- designing for sustainability and with the new digital tools and access at, at these students' disposals at, 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 as disposal as they enter the, the the industry. And anyway, as I saw as I heard that in in sync with seeing these young designers doing the. <laughs> correct thing at this fashion week. Um, it, it just made me think like the new guard is where it's at in giving us hope for any of these changes to be made. I think a lot of the old guard is still, we're still there in terms of the old ways. Yeah, definitely. Well, I think that's maybe where we will stop the episode here, but Jill, thank you so much for for going to Paris. I know that that was a huge burden for you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and also, no, but I'm glad that we had somebody on the ground there. And thanks for for telling me about everything you saw. Um, for those of you listening, if you want to give us uh, a rating and a review on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you're listening to this, that was extremely helpful. And you should also subscribe to the Glossy Podcast because you will hear me and Jill or me and Sophia or me and somebody else on the Glossy team doing the Week in Review every Friday and then every Wednesday, Jill or sometimes me because I'm doing a new one or I'm doing an episode soon, uh, interview people in the industry. um, And that's also on the Glossy podcast. Um, Jill, who is our next interviewee for that? Um, It's Ariana Casaday. She is behind um, the footwear brand Casaday. And yeah, going into how she herself is the new guard in that that age-old brand that's so sexy. So anyway, they're doing stilettos and not just sneakers. I'll tell you that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's exciting. Um, And well, if you want to hear that, you just have to give the old Glossy Podcast a subscribe. Once again, thank you for listening. And Jill, thanks for being here. Thanks so much, Danny. 